0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. This is, what is it, 80, episode 83 of the podcast version of the show? Time's flying by. This is a good one. Me and Dan just sat down with the comment section or the chat and took up topics and answered questions, got into all kinds of things, talked a little bit about turkey hunting, some crazy stories from Dan on on that, and we had just a lot of fun on this episode. Before we get into it, got to thank Ocio Gear. It's a great option for whitetail hunters. They've developed a premium line of bow hunting gear that will rival any other clothing company on the market in quality. Plus, you get a lifetime warranty on anything you buy from Osseo, can't beat that. They have a super unique camo pattern and great technology in their garments to keep you comfortable in the stand longer. Visit asiogear.com to get you some great hunting clothing. All right, everybody, let's face it, we all have cameras that are lying around, either broken or completely worthless. Thankfully, right now, after a ton of great feedback from last year, Exodus is opening up an upgrade program. So how does it work? In short, order any camera on exodusoutdoorgear.com and use the code UPGRADE to save 25% off on any Exodus render Render bundle, rival, or rival bundle. After placing your order, the Exodus team will send you a return label for the trade in camera after receiving the camera they'll ship you your full order with that 25 percent discount if you're new to exodus trail cameras i'll just say this i got a five-year warranty five-year theft and damage coverage and best in class customer services been using them their cameras for a long time and i i really enjoy using them getting ready to use their new model this year the rival can't wait to try that thing out be sure to take advantage of these unique savings opportunities and replace an old piece of junk camera You got laying around for something nice like a new Exodus camera. This upgrade program is only for the remainder of April or while their supplies last there at their HQ. As always, be sure to head over to their website and sign up for their email newsletter and stay up to date with all their announcements. I've caught wind uh, that they have some really exciting announcements coming down the pipeline. So be ready for that. For more details on that campaign, uh, the trade-in campaign, head to exodusoutdoorgear.com/page/exodus-upgrade-program slash slash and I'll link all that in the description below. Hunting Beast Gear makers of the best mobile stand and sticks on the market. If you guys have not gotten your hands on the Beast sticks or Beast stand, you haven't felt that wow factor yet. And at these shows that I work with the, with Hunting Beast Gear, Whenever someone new picks up a beast stand, that's what happens is they get this wow factor on their face. For the size and the weight, there's nothing that beats the beast stand on the market. you got to get your hands on one. It's developed by Real Mobile Hunters with a real-world experience. You guys are going to love their products, so head over to huntingbeastgear.com and pick you, pick you up some beast sticks and beast stand. And finally, Stealth Outdoors. If you're not using Stealth Strips, honestly, you're not trying hard enough. Stealth Strips are hands down the best silencing tape on the market. Once you put that stuff on your gear, it doesn't come off. It'll last for years, and it does exactly what it's supposed to. Makes your gear absolutely silent. Silence your preset stands with it. Silence your mobile gear with it. Go over to StealthOutdoors.com and get you some Stealth Strips. My favorite product that they sell is the buckle silencer. That seems like something that is constantly making noise is your buckles when you're swinging them around the tree or hitting them off something or they're dangling around. Put that buckle silencer on those buckles and be deadly quiet. The link to all my partners are down in the description of this episode. Go and check them out. All right, everybody, let's get into the episode. (laughs)
1: <laughs> there's a lot of Eat- people there. I can see them in there
0: yeah there's, there's quite a few people on this uh, this evening how's did everybody doing into- do what did you look can in I your camera
1: him? too yeah I can see them yeah, all in mine's there
0: mine's a little more high definition you can probably see my contacts in my eyes there's, uh. there's Zeke right there <laughs> <laughs> yep I see some other faces Moby Mike's on tonight Ron's Garage he's always on Jimbo Slice Gary's on Tim Bunch of people cool. are on tonight.
1: Um this is always a better uh show, I think, when it's just us two.
0: Just Jeff Gab
1: yeah. to get other yeah, people pe- on because otherwise it gets boring just us talking. But uh it's always a good show when it's just us two.
0: Yep. Uh me and Dan are constantly thinking about guests to have on and everything. And it it seems like no matter what we do, it's like the best ones are just me and you as far as views and everything goes. Mm-hmm. Um which is, which is fine. That <laughs> honestly makes it easier for us because we don't have to organize anything, but, um, uh, it's nice to have guests on from time to time anyway. Uh, it could be a challenge though, from like other shows or podcasts cause we are live. So like if something yeah. doesn't go how we want it to go, it just is what it is. Right.
1: It is a uh, lot easier to edit stuff. I mean, um, yeah, you know, so, sometimes when you have somebody on that, you know, if they're not used to talking on a show, they can talk a lot or they can do, you know, weird stuff or they say something they regret or something. It's real easy to just cut that stuff out when you're editing, you, you know, and yeah. take two hours of jibber jabber and make it into 45 minutes and make it nice. I mean, that's what we do when we make a video, you know, yeah. hunting video. We take all of our footage into a dump and have like five, six hours worth of, of crap. Yeah. And then we do like a, an overlay of talking and then we got seven hours of crap and we condense it and make it down to you know 30 minutes or something nice good you know clean watchable stuff so so live is 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 kind of a um hard thing to do but it is nice to be able to interact with you know the people that are you know watching
0: right oh yeah it's the best like our our uh comment section is like a whole community in its own over there and um i think most people that get involved in it really almost have their own personalities over there in the comment section. Yeah. Um, Jason says five more months till season opener. Yep. That's kind of crazy to think about five months isn't that far away, you know, no, less for some people for me in a week. Yep. Me too. Week from tomorrow. Um, I got Maddie has a, is going to hunt this year. I got a buddy Ben's coming down to hunt opening weekend and, I'm excited. It's going to be fun.
1: I want to see Maddie get one on film.
0: Yeah, me too. I think I think she has a good chance, as long as she uh, gets up and goes, you know. Um, she seems pretty motivated this year to get a turkey. She really likes turkey meat, too, which nice. helps a lot. I usually I take the- mine,
1: and I I, uh, I take a breast, and I put it in a slow cooker, and I put um, golden cream of mushroom soup in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, cook it overnight and I take it to work and have, and, uh, with mayonnaise and lettuce and and bread and I let everybody make sandwiches.
0: Yep. Um, best Turkey I've ever had was when Jordan Barnes was hunting with me and he, he soaked it in like buttermilk or something overnight. And then, um, he got all like the, the redness out of it, like all the blood, like washed it really good till it was real nice and white and soaked it in buttermilk and then, um, you know, breaded it in some kind of breading just whatever you like, you know, and then he, like, we fried it up and man, it was good. It tastes just like a, like a Chick-fil-A sandwich or something. It was awesome.
1: You know what you got to do? You got to do more recipes on, uh, on the channel because,
0: uh,
1: I've eaten at your house and, uh, you are a hell of a cook.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will. I need to, I'll make a commitment right now. The next time I, I make some backstrap or something, I'll, I'll film it and try to make a video about that it.
1: That jury backstrap thing you made. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. I'd yeah. like to know
1: how to do that.
0: Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it's funny. I, I need to do a better job of like writing down how I make some of those meals. Cause you know, I always sometimes just throw them together or just marinate them and whatever. And they end up being real good. Usually I know what you're talking about. The one you're talking about though. Um, Dan must've been, or Dan, Jacob has been marking me today. He's, he was out uh, scouting for turkeys. It starts tomorrow. He has a tag tomorrow. And uh, so it looks it looked like he got into some uh, tame turkeys or something. He, had, he was out scouting and had like two two toms walked up to him. Hmm. So you he said they had white feathers or something? Yeah, a little. they had some white feathers. and Probably somebody's pets. Yep. He should have a real easy hunt tomorrow morning, though, you know. Hmm.
1: Did I ever tell you about my, uh, my ordeal with pet turkey? What's that? So when, uh, I moved out to this house, that was around, uh, 1999 or 2000. Um, I was driving on a back road out here and I came up on this farm and had this big pen full of turkeys. They had wild coloration, but they were tame. He raised them for Mm. food or something, right? So he had this sign out front that said turkeys for sale. So I pulled in and I'm like, selling turkeys? He says, Yeah. I says, "Um, How much? He says, 20 bucks for a Tom, 15 for a hen. I go, I'll take one of each. So I took these things and I didn't have nothing to put them in. So I just threw them in my (laughs) backseat. I drove home. And uh, I I go in and I tell Carol, I says, Hey, I got you some friends. She likes animals, you know? Yeah. So she comes out and I go, I got you some turkeys for the farm. We call this the farm, it's only seven acres. But so uh, then, you know, that was kind of stupid of me because then I had to make a pen. You know, I didn't really think I'd be making myself work. I thought I was going to be keeping her busy. Yeah. But uh, so we took the old barn down in the bottom and made a pen in the front and stuff and uh, put these turkeys in there. And they were experts at escape. They just kept breaking out. No matter what you did, they would get up. <laughs> and, uh, it really wasn't that big of a deal. Cause they didn't run away. So eventually I just gave up and we just let them walk around the yard and they just stay in the yard. You know, as long as you're going out there a couple times a day, throwing food down, they just stay there. They just stay up by the porch or whatever. And so it was fine. And then, uh, Turkey season came and, uh, I was at work and Carol said, um, a truck pulled up the driveway and somebody's knocking on the door and she goes to the door and there's this guy knocking on the door and he's, he seemed like there's something wrong with him in his head. And he's like, can I, can I uh, hunt turkeys on your property? And he's frantically looking back and forth between her and um, Carol's pet, Tom, that's uh, standing like 10 feet from him strutting in the driveway. And she says, that is not a wild Turkey. That's our pet. And he starts screaming at her that you can't have a pet turkey. It's against the law, you can't do this, you can't do that, I'm gonna turn you in. She says, this is a farm, that's a farm animal. Get out of here. Right. So the guy's uh, leaving, yelling and and screaming because that's that's how you get permission to hunt people's pet turkeys is you scream and yell at them. But anyways, he goes and he gets in his truck and he leaves. And Carol goes back about her business, but he didn't really leave. He drove a hundred yards down the road And parked on the other side of my neighbor's house, you know, on the back side of our property where we got like a little swamp down there and stuff. And then my neighbor's got a property with a lawn out there. He parks on the other side of their property and he walks through their lawn with his shotgun and they come out on their porch and they watched him get out of his truck. And they're like, what are you doing? And he goes, Oh, I got to get to my truck. It's parked over there. And he points towards my house and they're like, didn't you just get out of that truck? And he just runs past. And they had no idea what was going on. So they're like, what the hell's going on? You know? And then he goes through our backyard and through the swampy area and, and up into the yard. And also Carol hears a shotgun blast. And she runs out on the porch. And here this guy is like 20 feet from our house. He shot this turkey in our driveway. And he runs over, grabs our pet turkey, and takes off running while Carol's screaming at him. She calls the police. She calls the game warden and stuff. And uh, The game warden, um, well, then he, he ran through the yard again and ran back past the neighbors with the turkey in his uh, hand. I wish they would have got his license plate, but they didn't. And then he took off. So uh, the warden went down and investigated with them and he talked to us. And uh, he said, oh, we're going to get them because when he registers a bird, there's only so many birds that were shot. And it turned out only three were shot in that day. And ours was unique because uh, the reason that guy was selling all those turkeys is because they were starting to inbreed. And, uh, the Toms weren't growing beards and stuff. So this one had absolutely no beard, even though it was a big Tom. Yeah. So he checked with the registrations. He checked with the three people that registered birds and every one of them was a bearded Tom. And none of the three guys, uh, matched the guy who shot the Turkey. So he just didn't register the bird. But, uh, that was my ordeal with having a pet Turkey.
0: Jeez. (laughs) I'm not surprised for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, Some people are
1: guess, awesome, aren't they. Yeah,
0: I guess he was smart enough not to register it if you're going to do something like that. Um, yeah i i uh, I've never I've never really seen a wild turkey out in the in the in the or a tame turkey out in the wild. I know. Um, a guy, no shot, shot one a couple years ago that was white, you know, and they assumed it was probably from a, a farm, but.
1: They do have white phase and they get ones like a patchy in the wild. Yeah. There's not a lot yeah. of them, but it, it does happen. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a farm bird, but that right. is common with farm birds. I mean there's a farm right down the street from me that's got birds that are white and some that are half white and Yeah. That are pets. Right. Um We uh, had a uh, at the uh, local gun club down the street here, uh they own quite a bit of property. And their, uh, their clubhouse is back into the woods. You go down a long driveway. And they were all in this uh, clubhouse. And they were they were having a shoot. And they were shooting their guns and stuff. And the clubhouse has like a bar in it. And they're in their drink. You know, it's private. But they have a bar in there for the club members. Right. And uh, a turkey came walking. It was a hen. But it came walking through the door and jumped up on the bar. And they're all like feeding it peanuts and stuff. This hen and turkey. And it was a wild turkey. Hmm. You never know. I mean, some of them are just right dumb. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've had I've had friends. Uh, a guy on the site, Brian, he went out hunting in Waukesha. and while he's out out hunting turkeys, a uh, uh, a fawn buck came walking up to him and wouldn't leave him alone. I followed him all the way to the truck. He
0: took pictures with it. He was, you know, I remember it. that. Yeah. Um, yeah we we have uh, we had a turkey come through our backyard the other day every now and again that happens comes from those hills across the road from my house. There would be turkeys all over the place across the road from my house, but, uh, people from town walk in there trespassing, mushroom hunting. And about this time of year, they all start mushroom hunting and kind of, you know, flush them all out of there. And then about time Turkey season comes around, there's, there's no more.
1: That's my backyard the other day.
0: Oh, dang. a picture out of my kitchen window. That's a, that's not a farm bird, though, right?
1: Oh, that's a wild bird. He's yeah, cutting through the yard right by the by the kitchen. Yeah, uh, it's the first turkey I've seen in the yard all year. But um, today, while I was out feeding um, the wild raccoons in the backyard, I was putting their food out. I could hear somebody owl hooting across the street, and it was obviously a person. So I think that turkey's probably got a short lifespan.
0: Most of them do. Yeah. Um, I don't know. People are fired up about turkey hunting, though, in the comment section. Everybody wants to talk about turkey hunting tonight.
1: (laughs) Turkeys get tamed pretty easy because um, um, we had turkeys that were coming in the yard when I was feeding uh, uh, raccoons and stuff that would come in and eventually got ballsy enough to start walking up to me while I'm feeding the raccoons. Yeah. And uh, we had one that got really tame and would just follow me around the yard and eat stuff. I remember uh, Chris Conroy. And his kid came over, and they were just like freaking out because it was turkey season, and there's this big tom walking around in the yard, <laughs> and they're like, "There's a turkey over there." I go, "I know, it's, you know, he's friendly." They're like, "Don't you have a tag?" And I'm like, "I'm not shooting yard birds." Just, yeah, right. You know, right. I don't do that, but uh, it was just hanging out in the yard. It always, always did, you know. It's yeah. The neighbor eventually <laughs> killed it, but that's that's fine. I mean, it was a wild bird, but I mean, right. I wasn't going to kill a yard bird, especially if you feed them. Like, yeah, hey, it's, it's, you know, and he be you, and then you shoot. It. <laughs> it's yeah. like shooting a lab.
0: Yeah, I had a uh, my one of my buddies' dad made friends with a fox, mm-hmm. and he could he could it was down in one of their farm lanes, and he and it was just him, but he could go down there and sit there in a lawn chair, and that fox would come up to him and sit with him, and he'd feed it and yeah, uh, everything else, but he wouldn't do it to anybody else. It was just that that one guy you seen
1: the um, video footage of me and Tyler um feeding that fox up in the yep up in northern minnesota back in the woods
0: yep um I i I don't know what to... I guess it's just very different personalities and animals to where some of them just are all right with it you know it's crazy yeah um I know what we can talk about something I haven't talked about yet I uh and we won't talk much about it because may uh, have Scott on the guy I was with, but last week went to Kentucky down in Kentucky and they had a real cool event, Dan. Um, they had like a district, I think it would, is what you would call it, but they had all the kids that were in ag class come to a rifle range. And essentially they had like a, a hunting and shooting, um, classes for like 40 kids, um, high school age kids and Everybody like patterned a turkey gun, shot a, uh, like an AR type rifle. They learned how to, you know, shoot a 22 shot clay pigeons. We had uh, tree stands and we had saddles there for them to learn how to use both. Um, something I didn't realize it went on anymore. It was pretty cool.
1: That is cool. It's cool that people still do that. You know, yeah. um, we like, uh, around here, I've got friends that are involved in, um, uh, Turkey mentoring, Mm-hmm. and they have a thing here like uh the dnr kind of promotes it with this turkey mentoring i really don't like it i like what yeah. you're talking about but the turkey mentoring they do here is uh these parents got a kid that you know like the parents don't hunt
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they got a kid that wants to try hunting and they take this kid that's never hunted before and they drop him off with uh, a kind of a stranger they meet him that right. day and they take them yeah. out in the dark, put them in a blind to a bird that's already been treed and all that stuff. And then they just call the burden and the, the kid just shoots it. I don't think that's really hunting. I don't think that's yeah. really mentoring. The, the whole term mentoring is to, to, you know, guide a kid into learning the sport. And that just I, it sits wrong with me. It's, it's like fishing in a, uh, you know, tame trout pond. You, right. You, you know, it, it is hunting, but who's doing the hunting? That The, the And who's getting the enjoyment out of it? The guy getting to do an extra hunt because he's taking these kids out there. I mean, if somebody wants to mentor a kid to turkey hunt, they ought to be taking them out the day before, you know, finding the birds, explaining to them why the birds are where they are, explaining to how they're going to come in, what, you know, how they're going to set up and then actually having to help set up the blind, maybe, you know, and, and uh, having the kid come out there and learn how to call maybe even letting them try the call, try to, you know, call the bird himself. That's mentoring, you know, and yeah. they don't have to kill a bird to be mentored. I really right. don't like the idea of, of uh, you know, the first experience of turkey hunting is meeting some guy they never met before and they go to rush to a blind and uh, shoot a bird that flies down.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're not really learning a whole lot. I mean, I guess they're getting maybe getting excited for it. But um... But it sounds like your friend is doing some good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was just cool because it was a school event. It's just like, you know, I hate to say, I hate to think about some of the probably the red tape he had to go through to get a bunch of high schoolers shooting ARs, you know, two two threes, and I mean, um, but there was he had a really good group of people that came. Um, many of the like local game wardens were there helping. Um, He had like some people from whitetail properties, um, you know, were there talking about mm-hmm. just deer hunting and stuff and. Um, at lunch, he had a few people get up and like talk to the kids that were, you know, in the, if you want to say the outdoor industry, um, and just talk to them about career, career, career opportunities. If they want to go down that, that path, um, there was a guy, oh my gosh, his, his name has eluded me now. And I don't, I don't know why, because I'm kind of a, I I like the guy. I was a a little bit of a fan on him. He's always on meat eater, um, they call him the world's greatest small game hunter, but hmm. anyway, he was there and he talked to him for a little bit, which is pr- pretty neat about essentially just, uh, you know, not being, uh, afraid to, to take chances and, and meet people and how he met Steven Ernella and how he ended up, you know, doing all these cool projects because he was, um, just friendly to people and it was a good, good time. Kevin Murphy, that's his name. I just remembered mm-hmm. it. Um, but we'll have, I'll probably have Scott, who is the, uh, um, who is the, the teacher that set up everything. He may come on next week and just talk about it. Um, they have a little, he'd like to get it going in more, more areas essentially. And I think, I think it was a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the kids there, that was the first time ever having an experience with a firearm, you know, they they didn't know.
1: You know, we did that here. There's no way you could do it at a school in Wisconsin. It's just too liberal here. Yeah. We would never allow it. But we could do something like that, but it would have to be in a different venue.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. This guy, This it was crazy, man. Like, the school bus full of kids showed up at a rifle range where there was, I mean, we had well over 100 guns there for them to shoot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, I mean, it, they did everything from, like I said, the pattern turkey guns to shooting clay pigeons. Any, any way you could shoot a gun, they pretty much did it. Nice. don't know how to do it. was cool all right so i haven't said this yet but we're just gonna the rest of the uh evening we're just gonna take comments and uh run with those talk whatever you
1: want to talk about and answer questions Yeah, sounds good to me yep
0: yep Some no, somebody was what? asking uh t- white turkeys they're not really protected like the white deer are in most places i don't think hmm. um i don't know if they're if they're completely white
1: i don't know in Wisconsin, I, I, they might be protected. That is a I good know. question. I, I should probably know that because uh, I hunt turkeys.
0: Yep. Um, and sorry if I missed some of your guys' comments. There's a lot of them on here tonight. But uh, someone was asking if you are going to go scout Iowa before going down there.
1: I'm going to try. I'm going to try and do it, but I'm going to probably do it after turkey season. So I'm probably going down and green up. But yeah. I'm going to probably try and get down there. I would really like to.
0: Speaking of that, everybody, Kansas draws are right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, if anybody wants to put in for Kansas or is get buying points or something, right now is the time to do that till the end of the month. Um, so, don't forget those things can come and go. And I don't think Iowa's till May, if I remember right. Um, yeah, it's not yet.
1: No. I just put in for a point for Kansas because I think I'm going to draw Iowa. And I got some crazy stuff going on at work that I'm really not going to talk about publicly. So I don't know what's going to happen this fall. But uh, so Iowa's enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: It'll be it'll be plenty. Uh, hopefully, I mean, how long are you thinking you're going to stay in Iowa whenever you go down there to hunt? And what time of year are you going to go? I don't
1: know. I'd probably go right off the bat. I really like uh, opening week, and I really like um, pre-rut in early October. So probably a lot in October. Yep. You can always go... Shoot one right
0: away or something, too. I don't know. Yep. Ideally, you shoot one in Wisconsin right away. Then you can just focus on Iowa. That would be nice. Let's see here. Tim... Heath asks, would either one of you hunt a setup that required a buck to cross a road before dark outside of the rut It's a paved road, but not very busy?
1: Um, I would, if I was observing a deer crossing the road, um, but if it wasn't, I probably wouldn't expect them to get across. I have seen them do it. I have seen them cross roads in daylight, but it's usually not very active roads. Um, but they'll do it. Um. But it, it's a unique thing.
0: Yeah. Oh, if, if I knew he was coming across there in daylight, I'd definitely hunt on the other side of it. I mean, right? why not? Uh, I don't know if he's asking if he, if we think deer cross the road regularly. Probably probably not regularly. Well, if but you think about where I've
1: like, got 400-pound slob bark. Yeah, not very far from the road. Watch watched deer cross the road in daylight, and that's a pretty yep. busy road.
0: And yeah.
1: uh, I've seen them cross from both ways. I've seen them go past me. And then cross the road, going onto the private, and I've seen them come off the private into the public in that same spot in daylight, and and actually some good bucks too. So they'll do it. Um, So you you know if if you got a setup where that's your only way to hunt it, I mean it's worth a try. Yep. I think it's a it's an easy one to observe though if you can you know park there or something from a distance and watch. Right.
0: Be an easy drag out. Uh, let's see here. Truck, Yeah. (laughs) And you don't have to
1: use your tag. You can get it like a salvage tag.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, that's funny. Uh, someone's asking we're going to the Chattanooga for the mobile hunting expo, not Chattanooga. They asked
1: us to go there. Um, but we declined. I, it's just too much.
0: We're going to go to the one in,
1: um, in Michigan. You want to
0: see us come up to that one. Yep. It's in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um. what are is that the only one left right Kalamazoo show and that's because some other people are asking about shows yeah
1: yeah I think so yeah I mean we might do something on our own uh, depending on how things go I mean it'd be possible that we get together and just uh, do something and open it up to the public especially if I get my building done I wouldn't mind just having a small event here yep
0: Um, Brandon asked if we can explain buying tags. He's from PA. So I don't know exactly what you're asking, Brandon, but, uh, certain States you have to have so many points to, uh, be drawn for a tag. Like Iowa, you got to have like five or six points. Now some parts of Kansas, you got to have a couple to, to draw. Um, there's quite a bit of, um, There's quite a uh, bit of differentiations between each state. Um, Not all of them are over the counter, but that's what we're talking about when we're talking about points and all that other kind of stuff. So, um,
1: I just took a piece of paper and I wrote Iowa deer tag on it. So, I drew an Iowa deer tag. So, now I'm good, right?
0: Right. Perfect. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah you uh you, you just put in for it and um it's kind of a scam you pay for it every year like yeah. uh I, well you pay what is it fifty bucks now a year I don't remember me. yeah and then uh when you apply to to get your tag you gotta pay something like seven hundred bucks and uh yep. um if you don't get it they give you they put it back into your account, but they get to use that money for the whole period from when you apply to when you draw. Mm-hmm. So, so they're making a lot of money off of people so by the yep. time you get like I got five points so that's $250 you add that to the 7 or 750 and it's a grand yeah your hunt. Yep. so they're, they're making money off of it you, you know like uh, I've been applying for uh, Moose in Maine too and they got mm-hmm. a scam going on and, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's really it's annoying I mean um, you apply for points and you get a point right and you pay for yeah. a point but they'll also sell you temporary points, so you can, like, do you want to buy ten points for this year? Do you want to buy twenty? You want to buy thirty? So it's a money game, and whoever's got the most points wins. So it really reduces the average guy's chances, and the rich guys have better chances. And then if you really, you know, if you're you're filthy rich and you want to, you can just outright buy a a, a moose egg, in, in yeah, for an, an extravagant amount of money. They'll just sell you one and take it out of the pool from the regular guys. So it kind of sucks, but you got to play their system if you want to. Right, wanna hunt
0: them, sure. right. Um, Kansas did away with that. They they used to require you. They essentially they, they used to just take your money, like like you got the tag whenever you put in for it. Um, and you like you said, you get it back. Kansas changed that this year. You just had to. I just had to pay the buy the hunting license. You know your general hunt non resident hunting license. They not they don't charge you for the tag anymore like they used to. Which is pretty nice. So you applied Um, for Kansas this year? Yeah, really. My uh, yeah. Mm. Um, I thought you were going to Iowa. No Kansas. Okay. I I told you about this because I said I said, uh, um, with Maddie being pregnant and stuff, I was just going to wait till next year. Yeah, I just thought you were going to wait for next year on both tags. Oh no, Kansas. Because Kansas, where I was going to hunt at, you can actually get it every year if you like. There's a good chance of getting okay. it every year. Right. So if I lose that, whatever, I'll just get it next year, you know, or a year after that. Um, but if I if I put in for Iowa, and then I can't go because something happened to her or the baby, you know, it's like then I just yeah, burn seven six, grand, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I thought it'd be smart just to let's just. It's no big deal. I got to you got to wait that freaking long anyway. Um, yeah, I was just I
1: was hoping that me and you would go to Kansas together. But uh
0: Oh we can't well I think you can. I mean I think any more um Kansas will be at least where I'm going this year, I think you can get it every year. Okay. According to the folks that I've been talking to about the area. I got a couple points. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can go anywhere in Kansas with a couple points. But um at least the guys that I've been talking to have said they've went every year for the last six years on the on just one point, or you know, um, so might be good because maybe I can go over there and get it all figured out and then go again next year. Yeah, another spot is uh, I want to do a little more hunting in Illinois, man.
1: Yeah, Illinois is a good state if you are in the right areas. I yeah. think the, uh, a lot of the public land is over you know underrated. Most guys that mm-hmm. go down already go want and go to ranches and stuff, and, and yeah, the outfit, and stuff. outfitter stuff. here's some pretty good public land, and some of that outfitted stuff is really over hunted. You know, um, when I was younger, uh, Western Illinois, West Central Illinois, used mm-hmm. to be the hot spot. That used to be like oh, the yeah. Iowa, now like Pike and, County, uh, and yeah. And what happened mm-hmm. was it got so well known, and every you know hunting show, and everybody was trying to get in there. That uh, people got greedy and put leases up really high and and wanted more more and more money from it and subdivided you know you could lease gun hunting and bow hunting and muzzleloader hunting and it leased it four or five different ways the same property and then the outfitters would be you know fighting over this stuff and it kept getting micro sized down yeah. And- Pretty soon, there's just too many people to pay for those properties. I mean, when they want twenty thousand dollars for a hundred acre property or something because it's so hot or whatever, they put too yeah. many hunters in there and they just kill too much stuff. And even when they put limits, you know, you know they just drive the deer out of there and then the neighbors kill them, you know. And, uh, and it's just yeah. so a lot of that went way downhill in uh, Western Illinois, but a lot of the public in Illinois is pretty good. It's yeah, you don't hear a lot about that. No, you're more with the public in Iowa or Kansas mm-hmm.
0: or Wisconsin. Yep, yep. And it's still it's still over the counter. So as long, I think they got a they got a quota on how many tags they can sell, but I don't think they ever reach it. So
1: yeah, I mean, um, it used to be you, you apply, but you get one. You know, because it you're, even if you yep. missed the application period, you could just buy one of the leftover ones over the counter.
0: Right. Until, like you said, till they hit the quota. Right. Um. Why? Why? Why hasn't Western Wisconsin, uh, why hasn't like that place ever gotten overrun?
1: I uh, just like nobody it, ever really uh, figured it out, I guess.
0: Hmm. You know what I mean? And I mean,
1: it's you, it's always starting to go downhill in some of the places, like where we went last year. Yeah, that used to be so good, and y- y- you know, um, it just doesn't have the sign of more or of the deer because of the CWD killing. I mean, it just killed so many deer. Now the stuff closer to the river is better.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, a little further I, over like Grant County and areas yeah. like that are getting really good.
0: I always wondered that because I mean I think I think Wisconsin is like one or two in the you know, most boot and crockets in a state. And
1: yeah, and you can just buy the tag over to Connor. First year it's eighty five bucks for the tag, you know, yeah. instead of seven hundred dollars. And it's it's really good hunting in western Wisconsin. So you're right. I mean, it's really, really underrated. Yeah. I mean, I just, Western Wisconsin is way better than where I hunt in Southeastern Wisconsin. Yeah. But what right. I got is it's only, it's only a two hour ride for me and I'm right in the middle of it. Right. So I can hunt there in an afternoon or whatever. It's just a longer ride home.
0: Yep. There's a lot of good states anymore for, for deer. I, I do think right now we're probably living in the good old days of deer hunting, you know? um, I don't know. Maybe not. I feel like we are though. There's just a lot of opportunity, a lot of states that are seem like they're blowing up with, with uh, big deer anymore.
1: Yeah. But you know, we, it could be way better. We don't have the, um, the, uh, state agencies that run the deer understanding how good they could have it. Yeah. If they manage stuff correctly, they could really, really have some big deer and some exciting hunting and yeah. uh draw a lot of people and, and make a lot of money off of it not that i want to see it turn into greed but i think that they could make the hunting better for everybody and they just yeah. uh they don't get it you know uh, um like wisconsin yeah. you know you know they, they they have for years looked down on guys that shoot a lot of big bucks and kind of look at you know you should be shooting numbers of deer you know mm. and uh it could be managed, yeah. Better.
0: yeah. But has it ever been managed any better than right now? You know what I mean, though. Like, has it always kind of sucked management-wise. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think yeah. actually,
1: actually, the management has gotten better. It's just still mm. not good. So you're right. You're right. I mean, it, it is increasing. I don't. I wouldn't say it's the good old days, though, because I think you know, like Wisconsin. If you go back to around uh, the year 2000, mm-hmm. it was way better then across the state than it is now. And we got the wolves took over up North. we got CWD in the whole Southern half of the state. And then they killed so many deer with poor management because they freaked out on the CWD. They didn't really freak out. They used it as a tool to demand, but they lowered the population. I mean, even where I'm at right now, I mean, it's never rebound to what it was back around 2000, 2000 Mm -hmm. was like pinnacle in Wisconsin. But you're, you're right. I mean, some places like, I think a lot of those places though, um, that you're hearing about now and seeing now were really good back in the day too, like Nebraska and Kansas and all those places. It's just that you didn't hear about it because there was no internet. Yeah. yeah, All of a sudden it's it's starting to blow up, you know, where people are talking about everything and where to go and all that kind of crap. But, you know, hunting was really good back in the day too.
0: Yeah. Oh, all right. All right true hunter was asking if we're doing any public land challenges this coming season
1: we will do a challenge i don't know what we're going to do yet we haven't kind of put our thumb on it i want to kind of do something i'd like to do it before iowa opens but i don't know that that's possible because of our plans i mean uh, you've got plans for early september i've got bear hunting early september right get onto some deer around my house
0: yeah you don't want to miss opening week of
1: so, um, it's probably looking like we're going to do something later in the year, maybe even after, maybe in January or something and go down South. I mean, everybody's been kind of asking us to go that direction. I wouldn't mind yep. doing a
0: Florida hunt or something or. Yep. You know, I agree that. with you. Um, and I mean, hunting gets good down there too, that time of year and we'll, we'll all be sick of the cold and everything. So it'd be nice to go down there, you know.
1: Yeah, if you're talking about um, uh, the hunting public public land challenge, I don't know if they're going to do one. They didn't do one yeah. last, year, so I don't I don't know if they'll bring that back. But that's really their thing. We do challenges, but not really pu- the public land challenge kind of thing. Right. That was that was uh, my idea, but that's Aaron Warbritton's uh, deal. I mean, that's his right. His, so I'm hoping he brings it back, but I've got my doubts. I think think they kind of,
0: yeah, moved on from it.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they like what they're doing now. And yeah,
0: seem uh seems like it was maybe too much work for him,
1: you know. Yeah, I think that, yeah, you, you know, they're making lots of money, they're having a lot of fun, and I think they want to enjoy their hunting. I mean, yeah. don't. Well. I mean, to me, I enjoy yeah. the challenges and stuff better than the killing, really. But I think it takes a lot of years and you know getting older to to get to that point. I really yeah. don't even to that point i think you want to you know you get a little like can't we go someplace where we're going to kill big bucks
0: yeah (laughs) yeah
1: because i I always i always kind of uh lean towards the hard challenges and that isn't always the best choices but that's i just gravitate to that i like yeah i like a challenge
0: yeah there's nothing wrong with that at all um it i mean i i like put my putting my shoes on putting their shoes on and looking in their lens uh it does have to be a bunch of man hours to get those videos out as quick as they do on the public land challenges. I mean, you're getting a lot of work. Five, Oh, you're getting five or six crews of bringing in hours of footage and then you got to get that all edited down and filtered through. And I'm sure it's super stressful. The only thing that uh, sucks is it was super popular. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: So it hope, was good. I hope they go back to it,
0: but um, yeah. I don't know. It was, re- it was good for everybody involved, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, it is what it is, though. Uh, we'll I right. still
1: do challenges. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll do something always, for sure. and, and what
1: we do different is we always bring somebody in, like one of our fans or something, too. Um, right. We'll always along bring, and... Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's where, where it gets a little more fun. It doesn't have to be, you know, all so called pros.
0: Right. Right. All right. Someone asked, "Did I get my weekend project done?" I got to, uh most of the way. I'm building that new uh, office slash studio, and the drywall is hung and taped and mudded and sanded. I just got to paint the rooms and do the trim work and all that. It'll be a little bit yet. Oh, you,
1: uh, uh, you had you uh, had somebody drive over five yeah. hours come down to help
0: you, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, Eric came down and spent three days at the house, and me and him worked on it. That's why it's so so far along. <laughs> Dude's a hell of a yeah. Guy. Oh, he's the best man. Um, uh, they don't make him better than Eric. So we did that. We put new siding on one of my gables out here that it was all tore up and falling off and um put that addition on in the house. So um
1: I yeah, don't what
0: know. The, I what the hell happened to your beard? Did you did you trim you know, up or something? Yeah, I trimmed it up a little bit. I just got I was getting tired of it being super long and hot. It got like 80 degrees a few days in a row, and I got pretty tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody said anything. I was shocked. I thought I would get so much hate for trimming it all, uh, up, but this is a good length right here. I like this length. Also, it was getting long enough to where it was becoming like um, not really, not really maintenance, but like I was having to fix it and stuff sometimes. And also I was i going to have like dreadlocks
1: in it and burdocks and stuff. Yeah. And- yeah. I you I look, didn't want to have you're looking to looking all clean cut and stuff over there. That's yeah, right. It's a bad image. I,
0: mean, I didn't I didn't want to have to maintain it when I I knew when it got to that point because I'm not into combing combing things and all that. Carol hates face hair. She gets mad oh really her
1: face hair. My so grandma shaved the stuff off.
0: Yeah, my grandma hates it too. She's always commenting on it. Um, it's always funny. mad about
1: everything. She her biggest thing now is. About, <laughs> I bought cowboy boots.
0: Yeah, I know you wore them. You wore them at the seminars in I Ohio. Did? Yeah. Oh, okay. You I remember you I had happened. your you had your you were having a they were rubbing your heels real bad and you tucked oh, yeah, your pants yeah, yeah, you tucked yeah, your yeah. pant you're legs into my leg right like yeah. you're some like redneck high schooler
1: right right <laughs> so now the scabs have built up so they're not cutting through my legs no more right Cows. Uh, I uh. When I walk, my pants always pull up and go inside of them. Yeah. And she can't stand that. She's like, you look so stupid with your pants inside those boots. I'm like, "Yeah, just I care.
0: <laughs> she should have saw you standing up in front of the, the whole uh, seminar group that you had, you had them tucked in like that.
1: She would have probably started yelling at me right in front of everybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Rick was yelling at you about it.
1: Yeah, he's like my wife.
0: <laughs> I don't think Rick is on tonight. He might be, but uh, I haven't got to uh, any comments from him yet. Oh, that's hilarious! Uh, people are, are uh, under six one five says Dan won't come south. He's scared of snakes and hillbillies.
1: I'm not scared yep. of you.
0: <laughs> oh, people like to kill? Okay. Him. I'm not scared of that. Uh, William Jacobs asks, can you explain moon overhead or underfoot? You're all the time, but needs an explanation. Uh,
1: moon overhead and underfoot is uh, exactly like it sounds. When the moon is straight above you, it's overhead. When it's straight below you on the other side of the earth, it's underfoot. And, uh, the belief is that when that happens, there is more movement in game. And there are some studies that show that and some studies that don't show that. And, um, I've seen some stuff that make me believe it has some, it, it does have an effect. Um, but I do think that, uh, it's not as much of an effect as some people make it out to be. And I think that, uh, it has its greatest effect like in rut for daytime movement and rut and i think that it um, has its greatest effect outside of rut when it occurs and usually i i don't see as much with underfoot but overhead um yeah. i actually did some studies when i was younger i used to always document everything i had notebooks full of crap probably still got them somewhere but uh when it was overhead um at peak movement times to begin with, like in the first hour of the day or the last hour of the day, then I really saw movement. However, when you're hunting close to bedding, you're within a hundred yards or, or of beds, none of that really matters. So you see them 15 minutes early. Yeah. You still see them in daylight.
0: Mm-hmm. If they're, in there, they're in there,
1: you know? So the way I hunt, that doesn't really have much regard in it. I think it does make a difference during rut. I think if I was hunting in rut, and I was on a road trip and I was, you know, I was away from home, and um, I had the whole day. I think instead of scouting, if it, you know, if, if one in the afternoon was an overhead moon, I'd probably be hunting at that time. I'd probably be in a tree. If it was rut and they're running around and moving a lot in daylight. Yeah.
0: Um, we we talked about this a little bit on the on the show in the past and it's just something like a lot of these things, it seems like, you know, they put your, put it into your favor, just like one more percentage, you know, right. and sometimes you got to grab those percentages um, to be successful. So that's, that's really the, the key. I mean, every little thing we do,
1: you, you know, with the, all these things we talk about as advantages are just a little tiny yeah. percentage. But mm-hmm. if, if you, you add up 20, 20 of those, maybe each one's a half percentage and you got a 10% more chance right. than the next guy. Right. Right. And that's what you need to do. I mean, because it's a game of odds, you, right. You, you know, um, you look at somebody as, as, uh, focused as myself and hunting public land. I mean, last year around here, I've, I had probably five close interactions with mature bucks out of a hundred sits. Yeah. I mean, it's not very good odds. Right. Right. So, I mean, I start doing some things wrong and I'm not going to even have that many. Right. Y- you know, I do some more things, right. Maybe I have six interactions, you know, so, um, but I'm hunting in a pretty pressured area. I mean, now if you go down to someplace in Iowa or Nebraska or someplace where there's more mature bucks and less hunters. Oh, well, maybe I have, I have in the same hunts, I'd have 10 or 15 chances. Right. But the other guy has five. You know, right. and there and there's your. That's your yeah difference. Yeah. Uh,
0: all right. Veteran outdoorsman, have you ever hunted any states in the southeast?
1: Uh, not much south at all. East yeah. either, really. Um, I have hunted uh, northeast, PA, you know, um, Ohio, Michigan, but nothing in the south really. Right. That's on the radar. Yep. I've hunted in South
0: Carolina and Georgia and Florida. You've
1: done Kentucky and stuff. I mean you go normal. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mostly the South though, it's always been for hogs and whatnot, but I've I've ran around down there hunting. He's probably talking about deer hunting, but yeah. Um we never hunted in Connecticut. Ron's garage, he's asking about Connecticut. I, I'd like to go out to the up to the south the Northeast sometime. Um, I'd like to get on the East
1: coast a little, even more yeah. than the South. I'd like to get out by like the Adrianics or New York or uh, more yeah. uh, maybe New Hampshire or, you know, Maine. Uh, right. Uh, Maryland. I wouldn't mind going after sick Yep.
0: Yeah. That'd be fun. Oh, Lee. We have not hunted New Jersey mountains either. Never been out there. Uh, I'd like to. Paul has m- mentioned we ought to come out there too. Mm-hmm. That'd be a. It'd be fun. It's just you got to keep checking them off the list. You know, you can only go to so many places in a year, so. Right. Um, we ought to. Maybe that'll be something we do whenever we're doing one of these challenges or something, just head out there and pick a state and that's kinda like what
1: I like to do with the challenges, is go someplace new, kinda. Plus someplace it new. It doesn't mean yeah. that they'll always be like that, but I, that's what I like to do. I right. like to go someplace where we haven't gone and try something new. And that keeps us fresh and keeps us learning and 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 that kind of thing. Where when we're actually pursuing big bucks, it's fun to just go back to the places you've been and right
0: kill some. Yep. What's well, the tag cost in Wisconsin?
1: It is um $85 the first time you, you buy it for deer. Yep. Over the counter. The second time you buy it, I think it's 180. Maybe it's 150 somewhere in that
0: range. Yeah. Yep, it's something it's something like that. I know you get a you get it like half off whenever you're your first year going to Wisconsin, and then after that, I you think
1: get that's exactly what it is. I think it's like 160. And I would just say that. Yeah, but it's uh, uh 85 bucks or 80 bucks or something like that the first year you you go and that's a, an incentive to get people to come here.
0: Right. Right. Um Turkeys are the same way. You got I got half off a turkey tag hmm. for being my first turkey tag. Um which I didn't expect. I don't turkey tags aren't overly expensive anyway, but um
1: what do you think about uh These uh, states like Wisconsin doing like a um, a retro thing where they um, say they they only charge eighty five dollars for a tag or maybe even less than that maybe fifty bucks, but if your state charges more, they charge you what your state charges.
0: Um, I mean, I don't like that. I don't. So
1: uh, Iowa was coming here, they'd pay seven hundred dollars. Yeah, Illinois was coming, they'd they'd pay six hundred.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're kind of. You're kind of a, um, you know, you're, you're, how how do I want to say this? You're, um, you're being hard on the people that don't really have any control of because they live in Iowa, you know, like it's not their fault. It's $700. It's the state's fault. Well, I
1: kind of agree with that. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it, but what I do know is that places like Iowa, I've heard uh, the governor say things like, uh, run on, uh, we'll, ch- we'll, we'll get you, um, uh, uh, we'll reduce your costs by charging non-residents all this money. We're going to go after the non-residents. We're going to make them pay all this money. Yeah. And it's like, um, I think the only way you get them on board is by doing something like that. But I don't know. I don't know if I agree with it or not. I'd have to think about it a little more, but you know, I always thought, man, if I was governor, the first thing I would do is I'd set up tolls on all my borders and and every state that charges us a toll, their plates would have to stop and go through the tollway and nobody else. Would have and yeah. they would have to pay with their state charges. I'd love to like do Il- that. Illinois. All right.
0: Yeah, I just, Speaking I, of that,
1: I got to. tolls for um, when we went to, uh, what show did we go to? Ohio. Yeah. They didn't call them yeah. tolls. Anymore. Now they call them fines. Oh. So I, I just paid them. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, it's a pain in the butt. I got one of them, dang, one of these things, uh, one of these little passes, but, uh, Yeah, they kind of try to force you to do that
1: because yeah, well, when, you don't, when you don't, uh, when you go through there, they say they'll, you know, go online and put your plate in there and we'll tell you how much you owe and you go in there and yeah. you can't find it. You can't find it. You can't find it. And you look and you look and you look and a month goes by and you just give up and also you get this freaking, it's no longer a payment. Now it's a fine. Yeah,
0: I, I had one because of my, where my old company I worked for, I had to travel quite a bit. So I got one, uh, cause it was a pain in the butt. If you didn't have, you know, you're constantly, I was going up to Wisconsin or down to Kentucky. There's a, there's a, to, a toll between Indiana and Kentucky now too. Um, and, um, but this is connected to my old work email. I don't have that anymore, so I can't get onto my freaking website and or the website, and they're making it almost impossible for me to get on there. So I haven't been using it. Mm. So,
1: all right. I want to get a rotating. You press a button and your license plate flips around. Um, so when they take a picture of your license plate, right? <laughs> and something that just says F you or something. <laughs> as soon as you get. Through, oh man i'm sure uh eric could rig us something up
0: yeah flip a, flip a license plate right yep have you seen those videos of uh well you you rig up an air horn or you, you you rig your uh your horn to your brakes or whatever have you seen those things mm-hmm. no no oh, it's pretty funny and every time someone touches their brakes their horn goes off so they're driving around town, touching their brakes at every light, and their horns just blowing real loud. Everybody's looking at them. It's pretty funny. Uh, what do you use as a backstop for your archery range? I don't know. I got I got one of those. I bought a used um, at our local archery shop. They were selling those used, like uh, like five by five or six by six bag targets that for real super cheap. And I got one of those. You have an archery target you like, Dan? Dan? I've been just shooting
1: a block, but I rip right through it. Yeah. I I, I need to get like, um, uh, five or six archery targets. Cause I want to put them on at different ranges at the back of my, uh, new building. Yeah. It's a little elevated. I want to be able to open the overhead door and just shoot out into the yard. Cause I got a long distance there that I can shoot. Yep.
0: Um, I have a whole bunch of 3d targets. I, we have like a 20 target course in our little woods back there.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I uh, was looking at my um, new crime bows and I was going to set them up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't have quivers for the new ones. And I didn't want to pull the one off my old bow. Cause I probably just let somebody have that with the bow when I do a giveaway. Um, So I went to buy quivers. I couldn't believe how much the quivers are nowadays.
0: Oh yeah. It's They're expensive. crazy.
1: You know, yeah. um, so uh, I actually, I wanted the old quiver like I have, but they don't, make it no more the old g5 quivers i couldn't find it anywhere under site and yeah. uh, i couldn't find it at the archery shop so i google searched it and they have them at fleet farm and they weren't very much money they're like 40 bucks or 50 bucks or something like that. Hmm. pretty cheap so i got uh two of the old g5 ones like i got on my original bowl there you um, go anybody's looking for one fleet Farm's got them i uh i did a uh, pick them up at the store and they had them there within a day and i drove down there and it was only like 80 bucks for two of them because I wanted them to both match and both bows. Yeah. anybody that doesn't Is know that what the, I'm talking about uh, I am so hard on my bows that I need a spare bow. Yeah. <laughs> <Because I'm laughs> Prime got
0: tired of yeah. I,
1: <laughs> I my bow like three times out of trees last year, and uh, every time I <laughs> ripped the uh, catch the drawstring and ripped the uh, the drop away, and it reset. Yeah. And so I um... uh, I got a spare one. So while I'm getting one repaired from dropping it, I can use the other one. Then when I drop that one, I can switch again. So, right. Yep. That's funny.
0: Have some people are asking if you ever do any mushroom hunting, Dan, mm. for morels. Yeah, a little
1: bit. Um, I don't spend a lot of time doing it, but when I'm out turkey hunting and stuff, I'll find them. Sometimes I'll go look for them in places I know where they grow, but I don't put a lot of time into it. I generally do run into morels every year though. um, just because I'm, I spend so much time in the outdoors and in the in the woods, and uh, I also like. Uh, I don't know if anybody eats some of those pheasant back mushrooms.
0: Oh man, yeah, yep. Like those, yep. they cook up like Chick- steak. Yeah, uh, chicken of the woods. Mm-hmm. Those are real good around us too. And I actually like those better than morels. Yeah. Um
1: you know if you if you're really looking for a good eating mushroom, death angels.
0: <laughs> cook them <just> with butter. <laughs> you uh you cook up those puff balls all the time right
1: oh yeah i love puff balls yeah yeah you know what yeah. they're really good you know until you eat eat them once and then they're like Meh. you know you know but yeah. the first time you have them of the year they're, they're really good i like uh cut them in uh steaks and then uh um <clears throat> i mix eggs up i beat yep. eggs and then i flip them around in the eggs and they gotta be pure white if they got any green or brown in them, just throw them out. But to, you got to peel them too because they got like a skin, like an elephant skin, around the outside of it. And it's just like fluffy meat in the inside. And you cut a steak about uh, three quarters of an inch thick, and uh, you you beat you put it in this egg, you cover it, and then you put it in crushed um, crackers. And we used to always use saltine, and we yep. couldn't find saltine crackers one day, and. Just out of necessity, because I, I I had to have my fix with the mushrooms and I didn't have the crackers. I used Ritz crackers. Yeah, Yep. And man uh, or townhouse. Yeah. And man, did they did they taste good? It was it was even better. So now yep. that's the new way I'm doing it. And I, I flip them in that stuff and then I fry them in lard. Until they're golden brown.
0: And they're really good. I could see that. Like rich for those townhouses, because they're like almost more buttery than a, right. like a saltine's exactly. real dry.
1: Exactly. And that makes up for cooking them in lard instead of butter.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh
1: that's instead, That way you don't have to just eat a stick of butter with them, you know, because you get a little butter flavored. or
0: My buddy Nerman says, I'm killing it with my northern accent. Wisconsin. Everybody makes fun of how I say Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Tell you what, like Gary and Eric, there's a like a certain accent that comes out of that like Sheboygan area up there.
1: Yeah, they actually got the Northern Wisconsin accent. It's kind of like almost a Canadian accent.
0: Yeah, yeah. Where it, you're, you don't, yeah, you don't really have an accent. Uh, you know, not that heavily. You know, you you every now and again will have some little Northern accent come out, but not no, like those no, guys. No no, 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 no.
1: My sound is normal human sound. Everybody else has an accent.
0: Right, so this is the,
1: <laughs> Dan Infold is the core of sound. Everybody <laughs> else has an you
0: You're like the baseline, you're the uh, right the baseline. Um, um, oh, that's funny. <laughs> there you go. What do you think about uh, a big four inch broadheads for turkey hunting? You ever tried any of that stuff, Dan? Uh,
1: no, I. You're trying to cut the head off or something that might be cool once or something, but I think a good precision, you know, hit on a Turkey. I mean, like anything else, I mean, it's supposed to be archery. It's not supposed to be like throwing hatchets at them. Yeah. I think uh, if, if at some point it gets ridiculous, right? I remember, yeah. um, when, uh, uh, Dave, I was, I was looking through footage of Turkey hunts and it reminded me when Dave, um, um, he lost a bird or two and then he wanted to go to the expandables and he got like uh I think it was rage. He he bought some rage broadheads and he shot this giant turkey and he hit it right in the shoulder like the wing butt, like where you're yeah. supposed to aim, and the arrow just bounced off. And uh um like three days later he shoots this giant turkey, and there's the you can see where the broadhead hit it, it was the same turkey. But, really? Uh, then he shot it with a muzzy. But I think uh, expandables are good on turkeys. They're just not good for deer. But uh, yeah, I do think that they're good for turkeys because turkeys get away so much with a with a hit. But I, I think an expandable is about as far as I'd go. I don't really want to ruin the bird either. Yeah. But I have had them get away with um, a regular broadhead. I've had them escape on me. I put arrows yeah. through them where it looks like it's a great shot, and I really don't like wasting animals and just killing them. Um, right. I shot one at. Uh, at Dave's farm one time, um, with a fall tag. And, uh, I was up in a tree and I was really nestled into this little, like web of branches and a big Tom came in and couldn't see me in the tree. And I got away with drawing, which is hard with a Turkey to get such good eyesight. And I, I shot through that bird into the ground, but the ground was frozen because it was late season Mm -hmm. and the arrow kind of stopped on the frozen ground.
0: Mm-hmm. And that
1: arrow was right through that deer, and I didn't break the wing, and that thing flew away and through the trees. The arrow was hitting all those branches and stuff. Then it got up over the swamp, and over all the cattails and red brush and stuff way out there, and dropped out of the sky dead into that swamp. And the, there's no way I was finding it. Yeah, hundreds of yards from where I was sitting, I watched it. I'm like, really? And yeah, you I just feel up, you're, you're wasted that bird. You know? Right, right yeah, you,
0: know? you feel bad about it.
1: So I mean, yeah. I'd rather, I'd probably rather shoot them with an expandable because at least they'll die faster and you find them easier. Yeah, you don't really have to worry about penetration. I personally. actually, with, with, with turkeys, I actually find a lot more enjoyment in, in shotgun hunting them, or I find a lot more enjoyment in bow hunting deer. Yeah. I just don't like wounding the animals. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I just think that I, I yeah. don't know. Shotguns made better for turkey, and it. And it, it's fun. I mean, you sneak up on them, crawl on them and stuff. I just, you know, yeah. I don't know, I like a shotgun better.
0: Yeah, if you're into shooting with a bow, you ought to check out Close Proximity TV. My buddy Jordan has that. He kills a bunch of them with a bow. He does it without a ground blind too, so it's pretty pretty neat. He's the, He'd be the guy to ask. He'd probably mm-hmm. shot more turkeys with a bow than anybody I yeah, know. I just know what yeah. the problem
1: I've had with it. And I, mm-hmm. I did turkey hunting with bow because um, – one of the properties that Dave got me onto a few times was in town and you could only shoot a bow there. And that's where he was getting onto all those big birds. Yeah. And that's where i was bow hunting them is because it was a bow only
0: in town. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I've only shot one with a bow. I've shot, I shot it with a long bow with a Zwicky broadhead, which is not a very big broadhead, but it worked so let's see here boomer 22 asked if you could only hunt the last hour of light in early season how would you approach it you got any tips for those scenarios dan where
1: you'd be pretty just... much about the same thing as i already do yeah pretty much i mean yeah. i'm out there a little before an hour before dark but generally that's the time frame i'm killing them in. as that last 45 minutes so, I mean, um, I'd be a little more rushed getting out there, but, uh, I don't think it would affect my hunt much at all.
0: Yeah, Um, I think if, if you're getting in there that, you know, that close to, um, prime time or legal light being over, you just, just be careful, you know, be, try to be quiet, try to be sneaky and all those other things. Like you should be doing anyway. If you're getting in there really
1: close to when they're getting up, I think, um, uh, you might want to hunt your prime spots when it's windy. So you mm-hmm. sneak in there a little better, quieter, um, right? You know that gets a little more dangerous towards rut because in rut they seem to be up on their feet an hour before dark. Right,
0: right. He's talking about early season specifically, yeah. so I don't, I don't think it's. I think you're fine if you got an hour. I think you're all right. Um, yeah, usually would, it's right at
1: sunset when we're um, first yeah. seeing.
0: Yep, I would not go because you're, you know, got it. You're gonna only sit there for an hour. In early season, all right. Rich asked, "Has Dan ever wrote a book, or think about writing a book?"
1: Yes, and yes. Um, so uh, I have one book that's out; it's on Amazon. Um, in fact, it's, uh, it's sitting in my car. Um, but uh, it's a it's more of a storybook book, um, where it tells uh, stories of hunts, and they're old stories or old articles I used. You know, I've I've written. Um, a lot of them are, 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 pretty fun to read. Um, that's available on Amazon, but I also have another book that's in the works that is just about done. It's real close.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's why I got the other book in the, in the truck because we were, me my son's, uh, finishing that book up for me and, uh, we're going over how to do the cover and stuff. But, uh, okay. that one be a little bit funner because I think my articles have, have advanced a lot since I wrote that first book. So, the new book I think is going to be pretty cool. Um, but it's more, um, it's not a tactical book. If you want my hunting tactics, you don't want a book, you want a DVD. Yeah. And we have a series of uh, hunting DVDs that go into great depth like a book would. And those you can buy on the huntingbeast.com website in the store. Um, but the the book, if you really want that, that is on Amazon.com. Just search uh, Dan Infault. Um, It'll pop up. Yeah, Big Buck Serial
0: Killer. It'll pop right up. I probably got it up there somewhere, but I can't. I don't see it. Anyway. Um, Keystone Outdoorsman asks, how often do you scout during spring and summer? Uh, when do you start? Forming observation sits. My uh my scouting significantly goes down in the summer. To be honest with you,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we get chiggers and ticks and hot weather and just it's not as enjoyable to be out there. But uh, outside of you know glassing, I do a lot of glassing in the summertime looking for velvet that's scouting. bucks. That's scouting. yeah, but it's not like I, I don't spend as many hours doing that.
1: You know, that's what people don't get. I mean, all of that is scouting. All of that is advancing you. So you you take advantage of the time of the year and what you can do. I mean, what I'm doing is is when my season ends until green up, I'm putting a lot of boot leather down. And then in summer, I might check some spots, you know, in early summer. Yeah. I mean, I was first starting to get green up like around Turkey season. I'm in checking some spots still. Um, But I'm starting to get into the, the mapping mode and stuff. And then in summer, I'm mostly glassing from a distance. Yeah. I mean, I will go and check something if I really need to I learn something new or something like that. But for the most part, I'm doing it from afar then I'm doing observations and binoculars and stuff like that. And like Josh said, it can be pretty nasty out there. I mean, I've gone out and uh, like cut trails and the cattails, um, for spots I got to get to a a long ways away where I can't get to noiseless if I don't have a trail and you've got to cut that trail in July. Otherwise it'll just grow in. Right. It's got to be once the plant, the cattails are up at a level and man, I've had, uh, boats of heat exhaustion and stuff and it can be pretty nasty.
0: Yeah. I've gotten some horrible cases of chiggers and stuff trying to Hmm. scout in the summertime. And, and i meant, I mean, I do, I do a lot of glassing in the summer, but it's not to this extent that I'm doing, scouting in the in the spring and in the late winter you know it's like i'll I'll go i'll go scouting four days a week for you know many hours on end whereas in the summertime i'll go glassing just sometimes you know Mm -hmm. not i don't do it religiously every night or anything like that yeah i think Um,
1: uh you know if i go out in the summer what happens is uh the chiggers get dan and i feel sorry for
0: yeah i hear you yeah you guys don't have them that bad up there do you
1: no we don't have chiggers I've oh, never. Man, we ever, down here. I heard. I heard Gary actually likes triggers.
0: <laughs> yeah, but Gary ended don't. up in the hospital uh, <laughs> from him. Dude, I've never seen someone happen as bad as he did. His body was covered in them. I mean, from the his backs of his feet all the way up to, you know, his neck which is covered in him. I felt so bad for him. Mm-hmm. And then Brad last year. Like those guys always get into a bunch of bad stuff. Brad last year climbed a tree with a bunch of poison ivy on it, and he had. He, I think he ended up like stopping at the uh, veterans' uh, doctor on the way home and got 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 it taken care of because it was so bad. Uh, You get poison ivy, Dan? I don't get it. You don't get it. If I get it, if I get into it really bad,
1: I get like a little tiny itchy spot. But uh, like Mario, if if um, if he gets you know four hundred yards downwind of uh, poison ivy, he breaks his whole body breaks out. Yeah. Yeah. My dad used to take uh, poison ivy and rub it on his arms to show you it didn't affect him.
0: You got some of that gene then. I uh, I used to get poison ivy real bad when I was younger, and I the last probably seven or eight years I haven't really gotten it. So knock on wood here, that's maybe I've. My dad was the same way. I guess he got it real bad when he was younger and grew out of it. I guess you can become immune to it after. I don't know, maybe getting it so many times in a row (laughs) that your body.
1: I think that might be part of it. I mean, like, I'm into that stuff so much that maybe you just kind of build up an immunity. Yeah.
0: A lot of people got
1: it a lot and I just kept going out anyways. Right. Same here. It's so bad her whole head would swell up like like a monster and her eyes would Mm -hmm. close and she couldn't see or anything. And it was like,
0: yeah. I remember, I vividly remember, I don't know, I had to have been younger, you know, between eight and 12. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I was, I slept on our couch one night in the living room. I'd been out in the woods doing something, and I woke up, and I I could, like, still, like, remember this, like, not being able to open my eyes up. I had it so bad all over my face. And then I was, like, I remember telling my mom, like, Mom, I can't see. And she came down, and my face was all swollen, you know. And she took me to the emergency room and got me all doctored up, but a lot of people are saying the ticks are bad this year, so yeah, everybody make sure you put on your permethrin or whatever that chemical's called, and your sawyers and bug spray. Ticks are bad everywhere anymore. It seems like you don't want any limes disease or anything. Yeah, Carol has Carol, yeah. Mm-hmm. Carol has limes, right?
1: It's it's affected her pretty bad. She's allergic to everything. It's why I'm not um, hunting full time. Yeah. Of, um she's in the hospital so much I need my insurance uh, that I'm getting through work. And uh uh yeah, she's uh allergic to bread, she's allergic to dairy products, all all because of Lyme disease. And uh I mean she's allergic to just about everything. The only thing we can eat is tacos. Hmm. So, you know, we have taco Tuesday and Taco Wednesday and taco Monday. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so note, note to self, if you, ever, if you ever have Dan over for dinner, don't make tacos, because he's sick of them, probably. <laughs> oh, a little trick with the uh, permethrin is you can actually buy that stuff in bulk from a uh, like chemical supplier, like in concentrate, instead of buying the Sawyer's brand that costs a lot. Yeah, you, you spray that in
1: your clothes? Yeah. Yeah, I found like if you drink it, it just comes out of your pores. And it lasts last, like, months. Right. Right. I'm just kidding. Hot
0: tip. Don't do that. I was joking. Do not right. drink. Don't, don't drink. Uh, uh, let's see here. Someone was asking what... Or, here we go. What do you think the increase in the ticks are from Dan? Um.
1: You, you know, I, I went into this with a guy who has some knowledge there. And I, and I asked them, uh, I told him when I was a kid, you never saw a tick. You know, I was in the woods all the time and, um, you'd hear stories about somebody having a tick on them or something. You'd never see them. And then slowly, every now and then you'd start hearing about ticks a little closer. And then one day I had one on me. And then a few years later, you start seeing them every year. And now they're just everywhere. And I was talking to this guy about that. And I was like, I was like, you you know, how did they just expand so fast from nothing? And he said that they used to spray roadsides and fields and all that stuff with, um, you know, like chemicals for that to kill them. And they quit doing that because it was killing all the eagles, It was killing all, you know, giving everybody cancer and stuff. So um, they started cleaning the environment up. And with that, they're not killing all those ticks. Hmm. I don't know how much truth there is in that, but this guy knows his crap. So I believe him. Yeah. I know, um, yeah. when I lived in, um, Milwaukee, when I was younger, when I was first out of high school and, um, couldn't afford a place in the country, me and Carol lived in Milwaukee, we had a, um, we kept getting ticks on us in our yard in the city and I just couldn't believe it. It was like, where are these things coming from? We got them on, on us constantly. And, uh, uh, again, I was talking with a tick expert about it. And, uh, he told me he, he when he heard me tell him this, he's, oh you have bird feeders, right? I said, yeah, because yeah. Carol's in the feeding birds. He says, yeah, they fly in on the birds. And he goes, and then they jump off because they can't get nothing out of the birds, but they fly, they land, and the birds
0: bring them in from the woods.
1: Hmm. So if you got bird feeders,
0: you got ticks in your yard. Yeah, some people were tell, saying that uh, it's the same thing about birds carry them around a lot. Maybe there's more birds than there used to be. Who knows? I don't keep track of the bird populations. I remember uh, Carol
1: telling me that she likes possums because possums are the only critter that eats ticks. Yeah. They walk through all the tick infest and every tick that gets on them, they eat them. Yep. And uh, I, I told her, I eat ticks and you don't like me. But-
0: <laughs> You chew them off yourself? Yeah. Oh, there you go. I'm half possum. Uh, I am not looking forward to all the ticks. I know that's, that's the only thing I hate about turkey hunting is just like the sheer amount of ticks you end up pulling off of you. You know, I am
1: so bad about spraying down or putting, Yeah. I just forget all the time. It's just like. Yeah. And I just, I don't really want to go through the crap I've gone through with, uh, Carol, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, I've, um. I pulled deer ticks out of me, um, last year, uh, two years ago, three years ago. It's like every year it's starting to happen where I, I, I find the actual deer ticks, the ones that are the common carriers. Yeah. Embedded in me. And it used to be you never saw deer ticks. I, I mean, yeah, right. deer ticks. It used to be you only saw wood ticks. You know. Yeah. Now the deer ticks are really picking up, just like the wood ticks did. You know, and it's like mm-hmm. you just got to remember to spray down. You know. And yep. the thing is with the regular sprays, when it gets hot out and gets out of 85. And so if you sweat that stuff off so fast that by the time right. you're done hunting, you got ticks on you again. So the yep. Promethean uh, and putting that on your clothes is a really good idea. Yeah,
0: for sure. Oh, I know guys have quit turkey hunting because of it. There's a guy in town here that uh, got that uh, disease that um, makes you allergic to red meat. Yeah. Uh, I can't recall what it's called, but I'm sure everybody knows about it liberalism Um, yeah (laughs) let's get off here dan i've got to the end of the comment section and um i think that's a good topic to end on everybody make sure you spray down for your ticks this uh turkey season yeah i don't want your kitchen liberalism all right everybody have a good night we'll talk to y'all uh thursday night